0: What's up? It's your host Tori and who is ready to be petty? Today I've got another bonus episode for you. I'm talking about the psychology behind celebrities where we specifically look at the Kardashians as a case study. I'm joined by Natasha Tawari, an award winning psychologist with a psychotherapy practice working at the intersection of deep unconscious mind work, neuroscience and ancient wisdom. She is from London, England, and she is an entrepreneur and an investor. She's been featured in Huffington Post, GQ, Glamour, and many other publications all around the world. It was so great to talk to Natasha. We both love the Kardashians, and it was really fun to look at them in a positive way and really see what we can learn from them and their businesses and their love lives and what we see on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Another very, very exciting part about this episode is that Natasha has put together something special for the listeners of RTBP. If you go to natashatawari.co.uk forward slash so that is N-A-T-A-S-H-A-T-I-W-A-R-I dot C-O dot U-K slash For a bundle about how to start your own business, how to manifest like a Kardashian, and how to go viral on Instagram, which I know all of us want to do. So thank you so much, Natasha, for putting that together and coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed this episode, and I hope you do too. If you are liking these deep dives into specific topics, get in touch on Instagram at rtbp podcast or email me at rtbppodcast at gmail.com and let me know what you want to hear about next okay let's get to the show i've got a very special guest joining us all the way from london england here with natasha Tawari. how are you natasha i am so excited to be here with you today me too i am so glad we uh we could get together And today we have a very excited episode planned for you. We're going to be talking about why we love celebrities, celebrity cultures, and the Kardashians. Natasha is an award-winning psychologist, uh, and she pitched a Kardashian case study, which I could not turn down. In another life before podcasting, I also studied psychology. So I was joking with the listeners of Ready to Be Petty that I was dusting off the old bachelor's degree uh, before this conversation with you. <laughs> I'm honored that you did for me. Yeah, no,
1: let's see what happens. I think this will be fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I just have some few a few questions for you so we can learn a little bit more about celebrities. Who are some of your favorite celebrities? Who do you like to follow?
1: Yeah, of course. I think it varies probably depending on the mood that I'm in and, and what I want to get from, like, quote-unquote, following someone. So I think when I'm thinking as an entrepreneur or as a businesswoman or I'm thinking about things around – um business and investments I look at people um like Sarah Blakely mm. uh, who founded Spanx yes and um, she immediately comes to mind I know we're going to talk a lot about the Kardashians today but I love the Kardashian sisters especially the older ones um and after that I really enjoy following um actually different writers um who have really interesting thoughts that will influence them the way that I might think about things. So immediately comes to mind um, people like Tim Ferriss, um, who else? Malcolm Gladwell.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. You kind of mentioned people that might be like aspirational, like Sarah Blakely and Mm -hmm. then – some people that can just, um, yeah, stoke and provoke thoughts, like some writers. What about the Kardashians uh, appeal to you? Like you are, you are an entrepreneur. And they're very successful businesswomen. Is that something that draws you to them?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think there's, there's that part of it. I think also um, speaking as a woman of color, I'm Indian and so I'm brown the Kardashians started to come to light as famous famous women um, at a time when most celebrities were white. Yeah. Um, so I think there's probably a piece of appeal there in that like when my own mind and my own thoughts around developing as an adult were coming about, they were also making their, their space on the celebrity scene. Um, and without doubt, all of their achievements are so inspiring. And of course, that draws you towards them. Um, especially given where they've come from like they came from a place where all of like Hollywood looked down on them and now they're just absolute darlings in their space and then I think also another thing that's important to to recognize is that as human beings we are drawn to things that are aesthetically beautiful and if you think about how the Kardashian sisters um, position their Instagram feeds they are aesthetically pleasing to the eye they are beautiful to look at like these there's you know, swathes of beautiful pictures that have like very neutral filters across them
0: I think for me they were a different type of celebrity that I just mm-hmm. really, really was drawn to they were something different than I think of that time like of the Paris Hilton's and the Nicole Richie's of the of that landscape and I just yeah. found that they were someone that I was really drawn to the other aspect that I really like is the sisterhood because I have two sisters and I yeah. I think I just loved the TV show and how it depicted like obviously a family that is very privileged and wealthy and very different from mine, but there was something that was inherently similar like their relationships and the way that they would joke with each other or um, support each other Uh, felt very familiar to me right so
1: I also have a sister and I think that like more than that is also the way that they fight with each other and they don't always get on and it's not always roses you know and I think that they were the I mean they were absolutely there's no question about it the first family who uh, rightly or wrongly you know that's a different conversation but put it all out there right And I think this is another reason why people who love them, love them. Because there's a sense of the fact that, yes, you know, of course, it's reality TV and there's some manufacturing going on. But actually, a lot of it is real. And even that which is scripted is based on something which is very much so real. And so we, as when we're consuming celebrity culture, and that's what we're doing really, right, we're consuming it, it's that sense that you feel some kind of affinity with these people who are living a really exciting life but also you feel like you have something in common with. And and there's, uh, I think from a neuro perspective, we're experiencing all of this empathy around feeling like we're connecting with somebody who we have something in common with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you brought up some really critical things there. The first thing is that I wanted to ask you about is just like, why do we care about celebrities? And I think you touched on A few great points like we if there's something that we relate to them on like the the Kardashian sisters the way that we consume uh, the content that they put out it's just ever present like if you follow Mm -hmm. on any social media platform you you get a sneak peek into their, their life or what feels like a sneak peek so we can connect to them on that level. But any other influences of why we care so much about celebrities?
1: Yeah, so I think if we, if we take the Kardashian example, actually, first and foremost, the other incredible thing that they did, they were, I, again, I think they were the first people to do it, was not only did they invite us into seeing like, the good, bad, and ugly of their reality, and make it entertaining, Uh, but they also invited us in uh, and framed it in a way as if we mattered, right? So if you look back to the early days of um, Kim's tweeting, she would say things like, well, I'm thinking about buying a new dress, you know, do you like this one or this one? The bottom line is that we know when we think intelligently, it's unlikely she cares about our opinion about what dress she's going to wear or buy or, or whatever. But it created this sense for those people who were already falling in love with her character and already falling in love with her persona and already falling in love with, you know, the story, that you matter to them also. Um, So I think there's that for sure. I think that's really important.
0: I think you made a great point because I realized the other day, like I follow Kim on Twitter and she tweeted out something like, I'm looking for this new product. It was for her kids. I can't remember if it was like a specific item or like a technique that she was trying with, like, I don't know, say potty training or something like that. But she asked her followers, like, hey, like, do you have any good ideas about blank? And I'm like, you have access to every doctor, (laughs) every educator that you could ever want, but you're soliciting like suggestions from your fans like that's really intriguing yeah and this is the thing we know
1: when we put an intelligent hat on and we think about it we know that that's not what she's doing she's just inviting her fans into her world of course like you said she's got the best pediatric care available of course there's already a plan and a strategy and also she has four children so you know she's done it before but it's it's they do it so flawlessly um bringing fans into their world and the interesting thing is that I think other celebrities that previously mocked them on you know have since followed suit because they see the power of that you know I guess the thing is if you're a celebrity part of your job is remaining a celebrity yes. and the way you do so is by people caring about who you are and what you do
0: yes and why do you think that people if we think about the psychology behind it why do you think that we don't clue in immediately, like? Clearly Kim is not asking for my advice on parenting, but I'm like, I read that and was like, I literally in my head was like, Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) Like that was my initial response. Like I was, I fell for it basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, and to be fair, there is a real possibility that she has somebody manning all of the replies and someone's going to come back to her and say, actually, Kim, someone said something really good. You know, I'm sure they wouldn't discount a clever suggestion. But yeah, you're right. I think it's what's really going on is that there's two possibilities why you're following the feed in the first place. One is because you're looking for reasons to, you know, sulk online and we'll put those people aside. The other set of people who are following, they're following because they're already in love with her, right? There's already some kind of affection towards Kim Kardashian, Brand Kim, um, the family as they, you know, as they exist as celebrities. And so I think it's very much so a primal reaction that we're having. You know, this is somebody who uh, on some level deep in your unconscious mind, it feels like you have some kind of vague relationship with. They are already a part of your life. They're already a part of your reality because they are people that you think about. When you think of it that way, it sounds really crazy, doesn't it? But they are. They're people who exist as part of your existence. And so you just don't, you've got no reason to second guess it. You've got no reason to assume that there's something you know nefarious going on. You just assume the best of these people that you like, because that's what we do with people we like. We automatically assume the best of them because we like them and we trust them.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I know that people like hate follow people on social media, but I think in general, people are following people that they appreciate and that they admire. And yeah, I guess consuming the content that they put out, it is kind of like an automatic, like empathetic response that, that I would come up with. Like, I think that, um, I'm just thinking about some recent things that Kim has tweeted, uh, people were upset uh, I think yesterday that she posted a picture of her very expensive horses that North owns and um, Kanye was tweeting that her KKW beauty brand um, was just purchased, 20% of it for $200 million, making the company uh, worth a billion dollars. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about kind of the maybe more realistic thoughts that people are having around like wealth or celebrities that I know that this is maybe a little bit less on topic, but people are realizing that, um, yeah, there's disproportionate wealth and that people are really struggling during COVID-19 and what celebrities are still putting out there.
1: Right. This is a really powerful topic, I think. Yeah, especially because we're living through COVID-19. We're also living during the time of mass uprisings because people have had enough of institutionalized racism and the way that that impacts wealth disparity. Yes. Um, and so I think you put those things together, plus the fact that, you know, so many of us are locked in our homes and I think people are already feeling a bit triggered. Um It's interesting, right? Because I think usually in better times, there is a sense of like them and us, you know that you love a celebrity and you know, you have good feeling towards them and you know that they're madly wealthy, um, but it doesn't affect you in any kind of upsetting way because you just have a sense of this is how it is. But at a time such as now, when, like I said, people are already feeling triggered, people are feeling a bit raw, it feels like it's insensitive. Because yeah. we feel like those celebrities have invited us into their into their reality, we feel like they've invited us into their lives, and so we there's almost like an underlying assumption that's unconscious, but we assume that we matter to them, and so then when you have uh, yeah, for example, a celebrity like him saying how gorgeous is this horse? North has twenty of them, yes, and we also have a racing cart track on the ranch you know, it feels kind of like a slap in the face to people who are suffering and even more so to people who are suffering but have bought that celebrity's products. Yeah. And so then there's a sense of like, you know what, like, are you trying to throw it in our face? Are you trying to, you know, are you trying to make me know where I, you know, where I stand compared to you? And of course, all of this is completely irrational. Like Kim's family does not have bad intentions towards their followers when they share this. Likewise, I'm not convinced that followers who are completely upset were ever truly believing that you know that their feelings were being considered by the celebrities that they follow day in day out. but there's been some strange like underlying assumption that happens in the unconscious mind, and that's when you get this this clash like what happened yesterday, where people are like all of a sudden, "Wait, like what are you doing? This is so insensitive." don't you understand how the rest of us are living don't you understand that so many of us are suffering well good for you with your billion dollar company you know and I also think that probably it it, um is doubled up with you know the controversy around Kylie's company valuation because it also creates some kind of like it creates an atmosphere of distrust right when you're saying okay one of us says okay now I've reached billionaire status it's like well what the last time one of you said that it turned out not to be true and And so when you're trying what I expect really what their work is to do now in terms of brand image. And if I'm thinking from a business perspective, it's around building up some equity in the trust that they have with their followers and with their fans at the moment. And that was entirely missed with the, with the photos that came out yesterday.
0: Yes. Yeah. I completely agree. I, I honestly compare it to kind of, Relationships in real life, where you, I always make the analogy that you have to put money in the bank um, before you spend it, because that's really what yeah. it feels like. And I guess uh, people like Kim, who have this uh, star power and just this staying power as a celebrity, has more money in the bank socially than maybe someone that is new to to celebrity culture, I guess.
1: Yeah. Amazing analogy.
0: Thank you. Since you're coming from the UK, I did want to ask, is it different in in your country of how you view celebrities or is it the same all around the world? Because it's so ingrained. I, I live in Canada, but we are so influenced by the US and celebrity culture is so ingrained in the American life is it similar in the UK? Yeah, well, I think we have something
1: comparable. I think it's the same thing. We're hugely influenced by what goes on in America, uh, and if we're talking about reality TV, like things will come out in the US, and British people who are fans will not wait for it to come out in the UK. We'll find ways to watch it online um, or whatever the case may be, streaming it. Um, and so, in that case, I'd say yeah. I mean, totally. There's like the obvious similarity, but I also think in Britain we have and other kinds of celebrities. So, of course, the British royal family, um, and that's been that you know that's been an institution for centuries and centuries. Um, and I think the relationship that people have here, I think the relationship that some people have here with the notion of the British family, is really comparable to perhaps what we see in diehard fans of the Kardashian family. Um, but I would be inclined to say that it, it um. Same as in the States, there's a spectrum. There are people who don't care at all and then there are people who are diehard fans and it would be like an overgeneralization to say that, you know, everybody in an entire nation has the same relationship with celebrity.
0: That is true. Yeah, I think it is so ingrained, I guess in my life as well, that it seems that everybody um, has this fascination with celebrities, but I guess I am also constantly reminded that people aren't and people um, don't care as much as I do but it has been an interest of mine for as long as I can remember like I remember I was talking about this on a previous podcast um, going to the lake with my family and we were picking up you know like people magazine I don't know if you're familiar or like us weekly or yeah I am or like those types of magazines on the way to the lake to read at the beach. So I guess it's just also been kind of part of my upbringing that this is something that I should care about.
1: Yeah, I think there's also that for sure. I think, you know, if you've grown up conditioned to believe that this is something that, you know, we as a family do watch, think about, of course you're going to be an adult who, who is like interested in those things also. And then also, I think you touched on something, it's it's generational, right? Like, your parents and, like, people of your parents' age and, like, your age and, you know, kids younger than you, celebrities, totally a thing. On the other hand, people in their, like, 70s and 80s who lived through two world wars, they're less interested, right? Because it was not a part of their reality growing up. And it also wasn't a part of their reality in their formative years. And it really wasn't a part of their reality in their, you know, adult years. So. It's really clear to see how there's been generational change around um relationships with celebrity also.
0: Do you think that I'm I'm assuming our relationship with celebrities with the advent of social media has changed? Right. Hands down, but do you think that this yeah, like this obsession in these younger generations will continue as like social media seems to also like march on
1: yeah for sure i think i mean you you hit the nail on the head right i don't think we'd have the same relationships we have with celebrity now if it hadn't been for social media um because social media was the medium through which we got to feel like and by we i mean mere mortals (laughs) um, (laughs) we got to feel like we were having some kind of insight into our into you know, the object of our interests life. And so a parasocial relationship is, is a one-sided relationship where one person is putting in emotional energy, interest, time, and the other person has no idea that the first person even exists. That's what we have in a relationship between like a celebrity and a fan. And what social media like led people to have was an outlet where they could seemingly interact and seemingly feel like they were getting something back and I remember when Instagram launched like someone said something to me like it was someone who was younger than me I think I was probably 23 24 something like this then maybe slightly younger but the person I was speaking to was I think 16 17 and she was like oh it's it's amazing because you can like see Kim Kardashian's photos and it was a Kardashian she referred to and um, you can comment and you can like and it's funny how even just like a few years of difference that was a teenager then and I was in my early adulthood but the the things that we were thinking about being you know important felt so different and of course everyone ended up falling into the Instagram craze Um, but it, it leads to that illusion that that's what you have social media is just becoming more and more and more a part of our reality like social media is big business like brands are behind it like There is a ton of uh, influence and power that goes into making social media increasingly a part of our lives. And so simultaneously, without doubt, yeah, that's going to lead to a knock-on effect of celebrity culture and fandom becoming bigger and bigger. And I think that we'll have it, you know, what we'll see really soon is that you'll see children who only know this. Children who could not ever imagine that you could live a life um, not having like this, you know, almost coveted private insight into a celebrity's life.
0: Completely and I think another piece that you've kind of touched on is when for example Instagram came out you could post the static pictures on your like profile feed but now with stories where people are literally just holding up their camera in their own homes in their bedrooms in their bathrooms like in intimate places you really are getting a a a snapshot or a a look into like their private lives. Like before I think, and when you look at like the static feeds, they're often curated, even if there are more personal pictures there from say like a family birthday party, for example. But yeah, when people are on Instagram stories or they go live or whatever it is, like it is, it is truly something intimate. It is something that a publicist maybe can't or create as easily or maybe. The- yeah. Because I always think when people are going live, like, oh, like, what does their publicist think of <laughs> Because the questions that they're getting aren't curated from a host on a TV show mm. from their fans immediately and we've seen some doozies where celebrities have responded in like a very inappropriate way but yeah I think that that like it really does seem like barrier free to to looking into their like real lives quote unquote.
1: Right so I think this is also something that leads to like the cult of celebrity because I think now most celebrities have got smart around that um they've become very savvy about what they want to share What they want to show that's behind the scenes. And then also, you know, what's behind the scenes, but is not, you know, really truly encroaching on their private lives. And so then what happens is, is that for you as a fan, when you're consuming that content, you're flicking through stories, unconsciously, you have this sense that you've had access to like their vulnerability. Yeah. And this comes back to that whole thing around the parasocial relationship, right? The celebrity who's on the other side of that knows that they haven't actually given up anything that they didn't want to that they're not truly showing you what makes them vulnerable and and what you know showing themselves at their most raw. but they know that they're offering you offering you a little something you know it's like it's like giving like a corner of the cake away but you're just so grateful to have that little bit of cake and because you enjoyed the cake you have no complaints
0: I feel a little bit like dumb and like I know that again, this happens to millions of people. So I'm, I'm, I'm in good company, but I honestly, I feel kind of like hoodwinked and kind of like stupid for, um, kind of, yeah, just this assumption. You're right. That I'm, I'm part of their lives when I'm clearly not.
1: But it's the thing is, it's not a stupidity thing. This is, I think, again, it comes back to these primal needs that we have, right? These primal needs to belong in a group the moment you're a fan you belong to a group of people you know like if you think about i mean immediately the example that comes to mind is lady gaga her fans the, the monsters and um, you know there are lots of examples like this that where celebrities do that for their fans they create community but also a more primal need i think that we have is i mean fundamentally as human beings we've evolved to be on this earth to live as long as we can to have health, healthy lives and have healthy children that is like our most primal need and being a, having a sense that you are associated with humans that are more powerful, have more resources, have more influence, the need to be able to do this comes from a very primal place where you believe that this increases your chance of survival almost by like osmosis, because you're around it, because you're a part of it. and um, not it, that's not fair with a person. Like you're in their world, you're a part of their world it's almost like you can bask in the glow of that person who is somewhat magical because of all of the power and influence that they weld. And, and we can't help this. Like, this is something that human beings have evolved to do. It's a way that we've evolved to behave. Like, to do otherwise would be going against our biology.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense, like, when you put it in that aspect. And I think that you're right, that, like, people are attracted to people that have more influence, that seem more powerful. Like that is something that has been around long before celebrities. So that is more a, um, yeah, a primal need that we're filling. So yeah, I definitely do understand that. I think we've laid a good groundwork of what celebrity culture is and why we're so invested in it. Um, but you specifically wanted to talk about what we could learn from the Kardashians. Is there something that immediately comes to mind?
1: Yeah, totally. So I guess, I mean, the reason why I said when we were chatting before is I think people get really involved in celebrity culture and then perhaps afterwards think, you know what, how much time have I, um, and you know the listeners can't see me, but I'm doing like air quotes. How much time have I wasted you know, watching like seasons upon seasons of reality TV or, um, you know, scrolling through feeds when I could have been doing things that improved my life. And actually, if you choose to be astute about things, you can also learn lessons from watching these people who you watch. You watch, you know, the best of them and you also watch, you know, sometimes the absolute worst of them. And there is information there and you can take it as though it is, intelligence and you can act on it in your own life and when i was thinking before when we talked about taking the the kardashians as an example the four main things that came up to me was i was like we can learn something about our own love lives by watching their complicated messy dramaful love lives um we can learn something about what narcissism looks like in practice both within really ourselves and others I think we can learn something around boundaries, and I think we can learn something around manif- about manifestation also. Because I think if you ever wanted to watch somebody who knows how to manifest the life of her dreams, it's got to be Kim, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Let's start about the love lives. Like we've watched many, many men walk in <laughs> into uh, the Kardashians' lives, like through Keeping Up with the Kardashians or rumored romances in like aboids what are some pieces that you're specifically thinking about like i immediately jump to courtney and scott <laughs> as a very interesting even when they were together a very interesting relationship like a modern relationship where they weren't wed and they had children um they're they're one of my favorite kardashian couples and even the recent rumors that they might be getting back together has gotten me so so (laughs) excited that that's a possibility
1: yeah no i mean they're a great example of a really interesting couple um and of course if we take them as being an interesting couple you know to to um pick apart what's going on in their lives it is further made interesting by the fact that he for I mean how long like a year a year and a half dated a woman who I mean wasn't that much older than his oldest child yeah and looked an awful lot like Courtney right I think the interesting dynamic there is um so in all relationships we all have things about us um, and then we all have things about us that we are lacking. And often what happens in a relationship is that we are, um, we are, it's almost as if we are magnetic to somebody who we perceive fills the gaps in ourselves, but they feel the same about themselves, that whatever they are lacking, you provide. And I think when we see, if we apply that to um, Courtney and Scott, I think it's almost like Scott brings the fun, but when that goes too far, he brings an absolute Am I allowed to swear? Yes. I was going to say shit show. And then I paused myself. <laughs> so when the fun goes too far, absolute shit show. Courtney very much so has, um, and we see it in, you know, in the, reg- in the regimented way in which she lives, the regimented way in which she approaches wellness. She has a need to be in control. And so when Scott acts out, She is very much so there as the person who controls things and brings things back together. For her, I imagine there is some need to feel like the person in control. And so if you as an individual have a need to feel in control, what you might find yourself doing unconsciously is creating situations which are out of control so that you can come in and tidy up that mess, right? What that does for you is it leaves you feeling empowered it leaves you feeling like you have some say over your reality. It leaves you feeling like you are indeed the person who you think you are, and it affirms your identity. For Scott, I think what he has in that though, is it's, it's uh, that old cliche that we um you know we're looking for our opposite sex parent in the partner that we're with. That's how it looks to a lot of us when we're watching on screen. you know It's, it's almost like when it gets like that. She plays a maternal role. Um, And so I think there's something really interesting there around, like if we think about if their relationship was to develop in a more healthy way, that would look like mental illnesses being addressed in a, in a kinder, more nourishing way. Mm -hmm. I think it also looks like being on the same page around thinking about what do you want your relationship to look like? Do you want your relationship to be a roller coaster, or actually are you trying to build something that's more stable? Because if you're trying to build something that's more stable, what you're really looking at is you're working out, okay, where are my insecurities? Where are your insecurities? And how can we grow together by affirming ourselves and supporting each other in that process?
0: Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. And and that does really seem to depict their relationship. Like Scott lost his, his parents in a when he was a young adult and- Horribly young age. Really, it was really tragic. It was like within months of each other. And so I, I could see that kind of need for, um, yeah, maternal love or, or even that family connection that the Kardashians provide for him um, as an only child and a parentless child.
1: So you can double that up. Then also with the fact that he was an only child. I mean, it's, I mean, uh, healing from losing one parent is a mammoth, a mammoth. I mean, challenge is not even the word either, right? It is one of the most traumatizing things that, you know, you can experience, but to lose, like you said, two parents in a short period of time, and the trauma there is huge. But also, yeah, remember that he's an only child, right? So there is a such thing as an only child, you know, where your dynamic with your parents is different. And then you lose, it's almost as if you've lost all of your family dynamic in a heartbeat. Whereas again, Courtney is a, um, she's the eldest sibling of many, right? Not many of us have a one of five siblings. And so it's also often in the nature of firstborn children to want to be in charge to be the person who takes a leadership role in the relationships that they have and so when you add that dynamic of birth order it also makes things make sense
0: yeah it actually all this is so interesting i think it honestly does kind of kind of put some puzzle pieces together i think a few questions i have from this is like do you think with the extreme pressure that the kardashians have um, and the world that they live in, and the, I don't want to say that you, you can't have a successful career and not have the family life as well, but we we do see most of the the sisters in relationships that don't last long. Do you think that they will, I don't know, be successful in their love lives? I feel like that has some type of judgment attached to it, and it it, it doesn't mean to, but I just... I... I look at Kim and Kanye as, I think, the only sister that is, like, in a long-term relationship right now and in a marriage, and I think that a lot of people, even myself, have even questioned if that is, like, a relationship built in love, or is it kind of one of those kind of more it just works out because, like, a political relationship, like, we both enjoy the same things. We are business people and this just kind of works out for us.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So let me start with let me refer to another couple as it pertains to this conversation. So if we think about um Chloe for a millisecond then I forgot her name. Um <laughs> so if we think about Chloe and Tristan, that is a perfect example of the relationship that you're referencing. Doesn't work out is a bit of a mess, Um, obviously he, I mean, the way that their relationship started, probably not ideal, you know, he was already in a relationship with a woman who was about to have his child, and then he repeats his same behavior with Chloe. So this is a thing that humans do, we develop patterns for the way that we move in the world, and those are usually things that we learned when we were very young about how to navigate situations which we find emotionally challenging. We don't even know that we're doing it, but what we're really learning is a coping mechanism. And so when the opportunity comes up to behave in a certain way that makes us feel like we are coping with a situation which is emotionally overwhelming, we go back to that behavior. I'm not saying that he was cheating on people as a child, but I'm saying that there will have been behaviors that he picked up in childhood that have added up to this. Because it's it's almost uncanny that you can cheat on one pregnant girlfriend in late pregnancy and then do it again, you know? I mean, and obviously people were just awful to him about this. I mean, you know, and probably rightfully so. It's not a great way to behave, but there's probably something underlying there. But the interesting thing is that what we see with Chloe is that this is not the first time that she's experienced a relationship like this either, where there's been some form of betrayal and she's been almost some kind of a martyr in the relationship. And then it continues. And it comes back to that thing that, you know, we all have something about us that's lacking and unconsciously there's a sense that somebody else fills the gap. Maybe, and of course I can't be sure because I'm not doing, you know, a psychotherapy session with either of them, but potentially um, it could, it may well be the case that Chloe has a need to feel like a saviour. She has a need to feel like, you know, almost like, yeah, a saviour martyr type complex. I would say on the other side of the spectrum, we saw Kim go through a series of relationships. And actually it seems like what she has with Kanye um, is the most grounded relationship that we've seen her in. And um, maybe it's because I'm a romantic and I'm an optimist, but I very much so think that their love is grounded in something real and authentic. They both talk, they've both spoken a lot about how they had a friendship, which was just got richer and richer over time. You know, lots of relationships start out this way, I guess, that one person is into the other person and the other person takes some time to catch up, but they get there. Um, And then, of course, the fact that what we see with them is that they both have their own endeavours professionally and personally, but they support each other. Um, They keep big elements of their relationship private. They have boundaries around that. Um, And of course, the fact that they've had four children together and they're still going strong. Yeah, of course, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors, but if we compare it to what we are seeing with other couples, um, that is definitely a more inspiring picture of the fact that you can have love and all of the success that we see Kim experiencing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I I, I truly think you've hit the nail on the head with, with both of those analyses <laughs> because you're right like i think chloe has even talked about this kind of um role that she has been put in she was the youngest i think she had a relationship with her dad in the midst of like the divorce between chris and robert kardashian and i i do think she does um yeah have have this idea that yeah she was like maybe like a mediator in the middle and and yeah I think that that's kind of translated to um her romantic relationships and with with Kim and Kanye like I I do agree that yeah like the friendship like it does seem real in that sense (laughs) they they do seem to fill gaps that maybe each other have and they do have a lot of really common interests and um, kind of wild ideas that I think really play well off of each other.
1: I was going to say the interesting thing also that you just said about like Chloe is uh, the way that you described her behavior as, as she describes her behavior during her parents divorce it's very much a typical middle child syndrome you know. And I think there's a place also with that, with, you know, feeling like you're lost and feeling like you're a bit ignored. And then how that pertains to your adulthood is is that you're no way ever going to feel lost or ignored again. And Mm -hmm. this is also, you know, that need to not feel not seen. Yes. It's also almost like an invitation energetically bringing in opportunities to be seen, which leads to a creation of drama and controversy.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, we can see that with, um, even Tristan, but also Lamar before that, like it, it Mm it's kind of a consistent pattern. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Another thing that you mentioned was narcissism and healthy narcissism. Can you explain (laughs) to the listeners what that is? Yes, so this is
1: something that is so I um I get really into thinking about it and talking about it. So um, the idea of narcissism uh, narcissism comes from the the you know the ancient myth about Narcissus who discovered his reflection and he was so in love with it that um, he was looking at himself in a I think the reflection the water reflection in the river and then he was so into it he he drowned um, <laughs> looking at himself and. I think the word now, narcissist, it just gets bandied around a lot. Um, You know, by a narcissist, we mean somebody who is self-involved, that they are vain, and that they're selfish, that they're they're only interested in themselves. And that somebody who um, is suffering from this state of being is overly obsessed with admiring themselves. And I think, actually, people throw the word around a lot when they're referring to selfie culture. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really interesting uh, for two, point- two reasons, especially given our conversation. One is that I think selfie culture has massively been shaped by Kim Kardashian.
0: Absolutely.
1: But secondly, I think that um, when people want to call, a, and often it's a woman, we don't hear it being you know bandied around when we talk about men. Um, when people call women narcissists because they take lots of selfies, it's interesting that, there was never like really a such you know such a loaded term being pointed at men when like men were taking pictures of women, but it's almost as if that now that women have taken control of their own visual identity and how they want to be seen, this like really yeah loaded label is being put on it, um, and so I think yeah of course there are some people who are truly narcissists in the clinical way of thinking about it, um. But actually, when we're referring to healthy narcissism, what we're really talking about is taking yourself seriously, considering yourself as being important, having healthy boundaries around yourself, um, your image, how people treat you. It does not have to be this like, really ugly picture of somebody who, you know, like I said at the beginning, the, the story of narcissists who drowned look at him, looking at himself. It doesn't have to be that, and I think that actually, given uh, that the Kardashian sisters have really been architects of selfie culture, we can really see in them healthy ways in which to love yourself. And of course, there's a the conversation to be had around, you know, what about all of the plastic surgery and modifying your body and modifying your face and the face tuning, and there, of course, things can go too far. Definitely, I think that if you choose to take control of how you feel about how you're being seen and you take pride in your own image and you choose to own that um, rather than somebody else projecting onto you what they believe you should look like and what they believe you should feel about yourself, then absolutely, if we're going to call it healthy narcissism, let's call it that and let's celebrate it.
0: Yeah, I think that that is really astute. We talked at the, at the beginning of our conversation about if you're consuming their content in a, in a more conscious way, or you're seeing what information you can glean from it in a more productive manner. I totally agree that this is something that we can learn from them. I I truly do because I think that those those girls have a really like they're confident and they have a healthy image of what they look like. And you're right, it has been twisted in a way that maybe is It's
1: misogynistic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know that we've ever said this about, you know, as a culture, so this about like men who are athletes who, you know, celebrate their bodies.
0: I think it is gendered. Like it is weird to think like there is such this power of being confident in yourself and then when you share that with the world what you're getting back is you care too much about yourself and your looks and your body and but before that it it's was rooted in like shame and yes, yeah so it, it is really interesting that it is already involved like evolved into maybe something negative
1: (laughs) so here's the thing about the shame piece right it's like your body can be uh you know like totally gorgeous and wonderful and it's all of those things if i as a man am enjoying it in whatever medium that may be but the moment you enjoy it about yourself that's when it becomes shameful you as a woman yeah and this is where we have work to do as a society
0: right Absolutely. Yeah, I think of like all of the pictures that Kim posts that um like are nude or topless and a lot of the people that are giving her flack are also women. Like what do you think about that?
1: But we are all a product of the societies that we live in, right? So even those women who I think will criticize they've also been fed all of these you know, patriarchal messages about how you should present yourself and who your body belongs to and what is shameful and, and what is not and what a good girl does, right? We all grew up with those messages since we were tiny about how a good girl behaves and how a respectable girl behaves. And this is why I think I really have a lot of respect for the Kardashian sisters, again, especially Kim, because I think she really spearheaded I mean, we know that she really spearheaded all of their careers, but that whole, you know, naked selfies till I die. That was like such a moment of dissidence, you know? It takes courage to say something like this when so many people are attacking your right to show your body as you wish.
0: Yeah, this is so, so interesting to me. Like, I I truly believe the healthy narcissism. Like I, I find that so interesting. Like I've been considering a lot lately about like self-esteem and self-confidence and the way we view ourselves and the way that we, um, yeah, put, put time and effort into, yeah, putting ourselves first and, I really like that that's something that we could take from the Kardashians. Like, I think that is so fascinating that, like, that could be one of the positive, like, outcomes of this, this entire family. Yeah, I
1: think, I truly believe that in generations to come, like, kids will study the way in which they changed media and lifestyle and, like, the entire celebrity culture. And, you know, they are like American royalty.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, they're definitely viewed like that. Another thing you mentioned that you wanted to talk about is boundaries. What did you specifically mean? When I think of boundaries, I think of myself as a fan consuming people like the Kardashians. Is that sort of along the lines of what you were thinking about?
1: That's super interesting. That wasn't how, yeah, I mean, there is that element of it. I think it's really, it's healthy for all of us to think about what boundaries do we have in place around the parasocial relationships that we have in our lives? Like, are we, how much time am I really spending a day a week consuming the realities of other people um, who don't know I exist? (laughs) Um, And how is that impacting my mood, right? For lots of people spending hours and hours on Instagram is just not good for your mental health. You find yourself in comparisonitis, which is, you know, comparison is a thief of all joy I feel like I was um, said by a clever philosopher um but we all know it to be true um and is there a place in which you can dial it down so it's a place where it's a source of fun and it's a source of inspiration but it's not something that's affecting your mood or affecting the way that you see your life um but I would also add to that that it's like we can learn something about how to manage boundaries in our own relationships by watching them. So, I mean, you referenced earlier about Scott and Courtney's relationship. It's so interesting to see how their boundaries exist around um, managing co-parenting, right? So many viewers have so much judgment around where boundaries sit and then where boundaries appear to be Uh, either not there or just entirely inappropriate Uh, and so I think that's really interesting but I was really thinking about the episode (laughs) when um, they uh, the sisters like ended up in a physical fight
0: yes
1: I think for lots of us with sisters that was vaguely entertaining to watch because we all watched and we're like okay so like really yeah it's it's not just me or my sister who can have really fiery fights Um, again comes back to the reality of things but yeah I mean that is also true when when we argue and when we fight over things that are really close to us, but, and we have a lot of emotion tied up in it, but we don't know why we have so much emotional t- tied up in it. And it's you know, triggering these unconscious wounds from many years before. I mean, this is what happens. We end up in arguments. We end up in fights. We say things that we don't mean. Maybe we say things that we do mean, but we wouldn't have said them if we were um, not feeling so triggered. And I think when we watch other people um, allow their own boundaries to be broken or we watch relationships where it's clear that the boundaries just don't seem um, healthy, yes, um, it gives us an opportunity to look at our own lives and think, you know what, is that going on in my life too? And if it is, what can I do to take some power back, use this to empower myself to actually have relationships that I feel really good about and that are actually really healthy.
0: Yeah, I think even referring to the, the fight, the infamous fight earlier this year, that was Courtney trying to restate her boundaries about yep. the TV show and Kim and Chloe just absolutely not having it. And we see Courtney try to do this for like honestly the past couple of years. Mm hmm. So this
1: is what's interesting though, I think, and this is where it gets convoluted and yet su- I mean, basically just super interesting. The conversation around boundaries that there is happening is Courtney is saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't enjoy this. This is not enrich my life. I don't want to be here. Those other two girls are there. Girls, grown women. I need to start calling grown women girls. <laughs> um, her sisters are there. Just kind of confused because they're like well nobody put a gun to your head when you signed a contract and so obviously something's happened there you know it happens a lot that we do things I would say it happens more so for people who have got inner work to do yet for themselves around their self-worth but lots of people do find themselves in situations that they've agreed to do something which they didn't want to do and so what that does is it just triggers this big fiery emotional response And when you get to a place where you've run out of words to use, much like a small child, you resort to a physical action because the best way that you can expel all of this energy that's inside of you. Um, And that's what happened there. Everybody believes that they are doing right by their boundaries and everybody believes that they're respecting each other's boundaries. I think there was a moment when like uh, Chloe says, like, okay, let's talk about it. And Courtney's almost like she just doesn't have the words, right? That's her inner work to do. Like, that's the work that she needs to do internally so she can express herself differently externally. That whole scenario would have probably gone differently if she had the words to use in that moment, but she didn't. Um, Nobody was wrong. That's the thing, right? Watching it as, but also we know that when we're in those relationships, uh, when we're in those experiences with people who were super close to there are fewer boundaries because we can speak our truth with those people without fear of um, repercussion. So everybody was right and everybody was wrong at the same time. Does that make sense? Like nobody, but it was uh, was an interesting situation because everybody's feelings were so tangled up with the fact that almost like everybody's boundaries were being respected. And then also it was clear that people felt like they were not because on the other, on the flip side, the, Chloe and uh, Kimberly have this anger that, well, you know, we always have to put in more work because you don't show up. From their perspective, it's them whose boundaries aren't being uh,
0: respected. It's fascinating. It is so fascinating. I've talked about this on the podcast before of like the only people that didn't or were surprised by that fight were people that don't have sisters (laughs) or brothers. (laughs) Exactly. what I
1: said to you before, like, Um, Yeah, like sisters watched it and they were like, oh yeah, like, you know, this happens in other families too. And it's because with a sister, um, and I think this happens more between sisters than than it tends to brothers, is that there's a level, there's a depth of intimacy that means that, like I said, you can say what you need to say without fear of repercussion, because you know, whatever it is, you'll work it out in the end. And I think that's truly why it got so fiery so fast in the moment.
0: Completely. And I've also discussed Courtney's like inability to communicate on this podcast <laughs> too. Like it just seems so interesting. We always bring up that like viral, it became like a meme. But when she was talking with Scott and and she goes like A B C D E F G and then he's like, What does that mean? And <laughs> done with this conversation. Like I'm I'm leaving. And it just seems it does seem hard to watch. Yeah. When, when she can't necessarily find the words to communicate how she's really feeling.
1: And this kind of avoidance is also a defense mechanism that comes out of the fact that at some point you experienced something that was overwhelming your mind, body, soul, you know, on all levels experienced it as a trauma. And so what was probably learned. And again, like I said, I'm uh, they call this wild analysis when you're analysing somebody who you haven't spent time with. Um, like, obviously, I've not had any psychotherapy time with her. But what I imagine what happened was that at some point in her younger years, what she learned was was that when I speak the truth of what I feel in its absolute honesty, in its honest state, um, I'm not heard. I'm not accepted. And maybe even I no longer feel emotionally safe. Yeah. And I think lots of people will hear that and it will resonate for them. And they'll think, yeah, I've done that too. I have not spoken what was true for me for fear that like, I would no longer feel safe afterwards. Like I would be excluded or I would be, you know, told whatever it, you know, whatever paraphrasing of you're not a good girl and therefore you're not acceptable. And therefore you're not loved. I can't love you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think we also with boundaries with the sisters see we as a third party, we see this dynamic of this boundaries crossing or like these needs not being met, but obviously when you're in the moment, when this is your real life, you don't see it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and of course this is uh, it's that whole phrase about I don't know if you, if uh, if Canadians say this, but uh, we have a phrase in the UK about when you're like in a bit of a sticky situation, you cannot see the wood
0: from the trees. No, well, <laughs> yes, it's not super common. But yeah, I definitely have heard that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's lots of variations of the same idea. It's that when you're so close to a situation and you're emotionally tied up in it. It's it's really hard to see things rationally. And also, of course, everything in our unconscious mind is in our unconscious mind on purpose. Your psyche does not want to have to think about what's in the unconscious mind. So really, that's where all of the answers are. And this is also where you're you know, probably avoiding. And there's a dynamic where all of them interact.
0: Yes. The, the one other thing that you mentioned was manifestation, which is so interesting to me because I think it's actually becoming very popular. Um, other influencers or celebrities that I follow speak about manifesting their careers or manifesting the opportunities that they have been given or that they've taken. And I think we've seen this throughout the entire Keeping Up With The Kardashian series. The girls... Uh, seeking uh, additional support or or tapping into like other people like you mentioned before mediums psychics kind of the whole lot what do you think we could learn from that like how could we manifest the same opportunities for ourselves
1: yeah totally so this I think this is fascinating um, Again. So for me, in my work as a psychologist, um, I have a private practice and I work with people who are either wanting to heal from things that they've gone through and they could see that there's patterns in their lives that they want to put behind them and make part of their past. Um, But also I'll work with people who are ready to manifest everything that they want. And that might mean that they're ready to sort out their heads so that they can manifest big love or they want their business to like blow up or they want to raise at work, they want to make more money, you know, all of these things, they recognize that all of these things will come from them. Um, and so then they're ready to make changes internally to change their external reality. Um, and what I always see when I do this kind of work around working with the deep unconscious and working with neuroscience and working with ancient wisdom, what happens is to an individual is that you change your ability to manifest. Um, And if I take all of that and then I look at what I see with the Kardashians, it's the idea that we're always manifesting, right? We're always creating our own reality. That's what I mean by manifestation, ultimately, taking your psyche and then taking, you know, thinking about your energy and then what kind of a result that creates in your life. And it's interesting because we've talked about their love lives. We've also talked about business. Um we're always manifesting our reality and we've seen these women obviously manifest incredible things around business, money, career, right? And then we've also watched them manifest interesting things (laughs) in their love lives. And then we've also had like the real pleasure of watching some of them turn it around, like go from 72 day marriage with a man who doesn't seem to be treating you right to finding the love of your life was underneath your nose the whole time, right? Um, And I think that's the big lesson is to remember that you're always creating your own reality, but the way in which you create your reality is coming from inside your mind. When you change your internal reality, that is what causes a shift in the way that you create big things externally.
0: Right, and I think like my understanding of manifestation is probably super... Superficial. like when I think of manifestation, I think of like having a goal and repeating it to yourself like an affirmation and and keeping it top of mind, and maybe that like subconsciously directs your behavior. But is there more to manifestation that I'm missing?
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting, totally, because the way that you describe it, imagine if you were doing that in a relationship, right. Like, there's a guy who you like, so you think about him all the time, he's top of mind, you know, you're, like, running it over like a mantra, like, that's not great energy, like, that's exhausting energy, it's definitely not sexy, like, it's not, and equally, if you're doing it at work, you're thinking, I want to raise yeah if you're doing that same thing every morning you're thinking I want to raise, I want to raise I want to raise I want to raise when is my boss gonna notice that I deserve a raise I want to raise like <laughs> it's like it's very anxious energy, right? I think that the way manifestation happens at its best at its most intentional is when we have a very clear sense of our worth, the way that you get there is by clearing out all of the impact of any trauma that you've experienced throughout your life and then you combine that with um how you manage your own energetic states and then combine it further with really embodying everything that we know from ancient lineages so um ethnically speaking i'm hindu and i'm very much so into yoga and meditation and the ancient vedic traditions um and so for me the way that i think about manifestation i take from all of those things and i think that when in my experience, when somebody experiences all of those things in an embodied way and they progress and they grow and they heal and they rise, that is when you're in a position where you just become um, you just become at one with everything that you want. And that's when everything that you want just falls into place. Yes. Um, and of course, different people have different ideas about how to go about manifesting things that I really think it's that simple and um, and i imagine i would not be shocked at all if like we took an example of 72 day, 72 day marriage through to love of your life and he was always waiting there for you he was right under your nose and he came to be when you were ready i wouldn't be surprised at all if like him had been doing some kind of inner work and she had some kind of inner shift in the way that she thought and then sure enough this relationship came to blo- uh, came to blossom and I often think that's how things are. It's like the things that were meant for you were always meant for you. They're just waiting for you to be ready to receive them,
0: yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot more sense. And I think that like it is true if you are working on those things yourself or or developing different skills or reflecting on, yeah, things that you've done. That you want to leave in the past, things that aren't serving you, Mm -hmm. right? That your outlook changes, your um, view on yourself changes, and that just attracts probably different opportunities. Yeah, totally. I love that. I think that's something that I really am going to look into. I think it's something that's super, super intriguing to me. And like I've seen it obviously happen before where – yeah, you just realize things aren't working for you and you need to make a change and then like continue to come to you. Totally.
1: Yeah. And I think that's how it happens, right? For lots of people, they get to a place where they say, do you know what? Enough's enough. Yeah. I want more than this in my life and I'm not scared to say it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that's a really good note to kind of wrap up on because it's kind of a positive one of, what we can truly learn from the Kardashians. And I think that's something that, yeah, we could definitely take away from them. Is there anything else that you wanted to speak to about the Kardashians or about celebrity culture?
1: Um, Not that I can think of now, but if listeners have questions or they have thoughts or something resonated, um, I'm on Instagram at I am Natasha T and I love hearing from people. So, if you have questions that I didn't, um, answer, totally DM me.
0: Amazing. And you were speaking about something that you would like to offer to the listeners of Ready to Be Petty.
1: Yeah, I was so excited to come on. Usually when I talk on podcasts, um, it's about things like psychology, psychotherapy, business. And I think this is the first, and it will, I don't know if there'll be more of it. Um, I expect it's probably going to be the first and last in a while where I get to spend an hour talking about celebrities. (laughs) Um, Yes, I was very excited to come on. And so um, in celebration of it, I have a little present um, for listeners of Ready to be Petty. If you go to my website, natashatawari.co.uk forward slash Petty, there is a bundle there for you. Um, There is a little something on how to manifest like Kim Kardashian. Um, a little something on how to start your own business. If you have been living in this climate of COVID and you're ready to take your financial destiny into your own hands. Um, and then also how I went viral on Instagram. So I have 33,000 followers on Instagram and I get asked a lot about how I did it. So there's a little something on that there for you too.
0: I love that. That is right up all of our interests. And I really encourage anybody to reach out to Natasha. Again, if you have any questions um, or if any of those things resonate with you, I think that's great. Uh, so as you mentioned before, uh, the listeners can follow you on Instagram at I am Natasha T. Yes. T as it Tea, as in the letter
1: rather than the drink.
0: <laughs> yes, or the, tea Excuse-
1: or the tea spilling. Right, exactly.
0: That's why I was like, I should probably clarify. I love that. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. My I- pleasure. That uh, you were excited and that this is something a little bit different for you. I, I really love when you can meld your interests like together. Like, I love celebrities. Um, But I also am really interested in feminism and gender uh, and psychology. So this has been, yeah, a real treat for me.
1: Oh, no, me too. I've had such fun.
0: Good. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. Bye. Thanks for listening. And thank you again for Natasha for the awesome episode and analysis as well as putting together that gift for RTBP listeners. I really, really hope and encourage you all to check it out and get in touch with Natasha if you have any lingering questions about the Kardashians. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow along on social media at RTBP Podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also join our Facebook group so we can talk about these topics off air. You can find us at Ready To Be Petty Podcast Group. I'd also appreciate it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the podcast find new listeners. Anyways, I hope you are staying safe and healthy out there. As always, I'm your host, Tori, and I am ready to be petty. See you soon. Bye.